Hi, this is Beth Botts from the Morton Arboretum. You're listening to 1590 WCGO, Chicago's Smart Talk. The Mike Novak Show starts in 3, 2, 1... Live from a cul-de-sac somewhere in Evanston, Illinois, it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. After 20 years, still Chicago's only deep green gardening and environment program. Heard every Saturday morning on 1590 WCGO, Chicago's Smart Talk. Good planets are hard to find, temperate zones and tropic climes. True currents and thriving seas, wind blowing through breathing trees, strong ozone and safe sunshine. Well, good planets are hard to find. Good planets are in the main. They're sometimes called the odd couple. If only because the word aberrant doesn't fit in the logo. Here they are, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. And they tell us our mics are live, so I believe they are. How you doing, Peggy? Good morning. Yes, and here we are, at, uh, and it's a lovely day because it's overcast, and I actually kind of like that. Uh, we're at the Chicago Botanic Garden. Uh, and I was thinking about this before the uh, show started this morning, and what I wanted to say is, we're here at Tomato Fest. Nope, that's not right. We're here at Veggie Fest. Nope, nope, that, that's not right. We're here at Heirloom Fest. Can that's we, right. There we go. In fact, I want my dinger over here. Yeah, so I can... Too far away. There we go. Uh, oh, they're dying in the audience already. Uh, we're, killing, we're, kill, we're killing the audience here. And I mean that in a, in a really good way. So uh, welcome to the Chicago Botanic Garden. And if you're not here, why are you not here this beautiful Sunday morning uh, on the outskirts of Chicago on Lake Cook Road? Uh, you should uh, come on by and be part of Heirloom Fest. That is sort of the subject of the show today. And, and if you come by, you can sit in the bleachers there where we have massive crowds uh, you, you just can't imagine how many people are, are sitting out there right now. But there are people sitting out there. There are. And they're okay. waving at us. And they're, and, oh, and they're doing the wave as well. <laughs> wow, that's great. And the special guest that we posted on our And Facebook the special page. guest. You have to go to the Facebook page to see our special guest. Um, and uh, if you want, come on over here, Christy. I want you to see our special guest who was here uh, and, and is still here. And we posted this on Facebook. Right there. I believe our special guest mm-hmm. is still there, Cicada. Yes, Mr. Cicada being Mi- interviewed. Mr. Cicada <laughs> showed up. Maybe that's Ms. Cicada. Oh, no, there's cicada juice on there. What happened? What happened to the cicada? I'm glad we got the cicada <laughs> photo while we could. Uh, yeah, go to the Facebook page, The Mike Novak Show, and you will see the cicada photo. Um, we're very excited today. We got a lot of great people. We're going to talk uh, heirloom vegetables. We're going to talk trees and shrubs. We're going to talk all kinds of gardening stuff. And again, we invite you to come out to the Chicago Botanic Garden to be part of this because it it actually, the, the official ceremony starts at 11 a.m. It goes till 4. Uh, and uh, the Chicago Botanic Garden, in case you didn't know, is 1000 Lake Cook Road, Glencoe, Illinois, 60022. Um, and uh, Ample parking lots. You can take your bike. 
I know when we were coming in, I was watching people in the parking lot mm-hmm. with families unloading the bikes, getting out here nice and early uh, and uh, taking a little uh, bike ride. And what's amazing, and one of the things you'll see if you go to MikeNovak.net, M-I-K-E-N-O-W-A-K.net, and the blog post I put up yesterday about this event, I had to uh, put up this amazing photograph that's in a blog that was done by the Chicago Botanic Garden. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, uh, Bob Kirshner did a blog on the uh, flooding that happened here in July. And you can't believe that it was just six weeks ago that all of that was going on. Um, just uh, unbelievable. And there's a photo of the st- <laughs> of the signs and the stop sign. And it's all underwater here. Uh, and, and the way, I guess the guy, and we'll ask this to so the folks who are going to be here because we have a number of, of folks from the Botanic Garden. It worked the way it's supposed yeah. to. The lagoons worked the way they were supposed to absorb the water. Yeah, there was uh, there was some flooding, but they were able to hold on to mm-hmm. a lot of it and then release it uh, into the neighborhood. And it's back to normal. It kind of looks like back to normal. I know that they're still waiting to see how some of the plants will do, but uh, by and large, yeah. many of them survive. Everything looks fabulous. It does. And it, like you said, it did what it was supposed to do. It did what it's supposed to do. And now we're here in the Regenstein uh, Fruit and Vegetable Garden, uh, and uh, we will be talking to Lisa Hilgenberg in just a second uh, about the the heirloom vegetables that they've got here, everything that they've mm-hmm. got here. And Christy Weber will be on talking uh, about the program itself and some of the other things happening. Yeah, in the exactly what's going to be going on uh, when you come on by. So we are inviting folks to do that. Uh, to come on by to the Chicago yeah. Botanic Garden, and that's kind of the focus mm-hmm. of the show today. And then in hour two, it's not just heirlooms. We're going to be talking fall planting tips mm-hmm. and uh, tree and shrub care and a uh, Midwest Tree and Shrub Conference that's coming up. Yeah. And uh, speaking of conferences, I, I want to get a, a quick plug in here because I think next week we're going to have somebody from this conference coming up for the Illinois Recycling Association. Um, and uh, full disclosure, I am a board member. Full disclo- fuller disclosure, I'm helping put this darn thing together. <laughs> so you so, better be there. <laughs> so I better be there, and, and I'm going to definitely make sure that some of those people show up uh, on my program. Uh, wh- what was that, Ben? Was that 30? 30, yeah. Ah, I don't have time. We'll do it real quick when we come back. But uh, I want you to go to IllinoisRecycles.org and find out more about It's a plastics symbo- symposium that's uh, going to happen uh, uh, in uh, Champaign, Illinois, on the 12th of September. And um, it's going to be really fascinating stuff. It, it is called Revitalizing Plastics Recycling. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Eco Salon. They use only the safest, most natural professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color perms and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne keratin smoothing products that let you shampoo the same day. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at OrganicRootsEcoSalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty, you no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. 
Now is the time to get your lawn in shape. That's right. Late summer, early fall is the time to make your lawn beautiful and sustainable. Talk to Logic Lawn Care, a local company that uses a holistic approach to make your lawn safe for your kids, your pets, and you. Logic also works with schools, park districts, and municipalities across Chicagoland to manage large turf areas. Get a free estimate. Go to LogicLawnCare.com or call 847-421-6500. Hi, I'm Peggy, and I publish Natural Awakenings Magazine. And for seven years, we've been helping Chicagoans to lead healthier, happier lives. Each month, our readers enjoy new information about integrative health and wellness, local foods, raising healthy kids and pets, helping our environment, and living a more sustainable life. Get your free copy of Natural Awakenings in more than 1,100 locations throughout city and suburbs, or visit us at nachicago.com. Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more. Find out what's going on in Evanston. Tune in to Haggerty's Huddle every other Monday on French and Friends. Brought to you by Chicago Lee Magazine. Name the city's top magazine. Don't just read more, read better. Charlie is a friend of mine. Used to live downtown in a little rented place up behind the right, Keep that music going for a little bit there. Charlie had a rooftop garden planted out of view. And what was Charlie's garden hiding should be clear to you. I'm going up, up in Charlie's garden. Going up. Okay, there we go. I just I just had to have that little up in Charlie's garden, and we all know what's going up in Charlie's garden. So uh, <laughs> wink wink, nudge nudge. Christy's hey, looking like what? I know, really. You, you've never heard anything like that here at the Botanic Garden, have you? Never. Never. So, uh, welcome to Christy Weber. And, no, not that Christy Weber. And you get that all the time, don't you? I get it all the time, yes. Uh, it's just, that's got to be frustrating. Well, no, well, um, it's, I just find it kind of interesting that, you know, we're both in kind of the same field. And yeah, our name I know. is not super common. But no. it's spelled differently, And at it's least. spelled a little differently, but um, that basically we have the, the same name and we're in the same uh profession uh but yeah no i get because uh the landscape company owner christy weber has um you know i mean so many people and so many Mm -hmm. trucks and all of that that uh she has a lot of renown understandably and um so anyway so it's just kind of funny because i do a a lot of double takes and then yeah exactly (laughs) and i'm always like i'm i'm not that one (laughs) Uh, And uh, this Christy Weber, who's sitting next to us, is the Director of Interpretive Programs at the Chicago Botanic Garden. Uh, You manage interpretive signs, and you oversee visitor programs, including the Chef Series, and we're sitting right in front of the Chef Series. It's a good thing they're not cooking right now, because they would say, hey, get out of the way. Right, Uh, exactly. But but you'll have something later today, right? Yes. um, We always have our Garden Chef Series demonstrations on Saturdays and Sundays at 1.30 and 2.30 p.m. Um, And for example, today, Nicole Peterson Mm -hmm. from the... um, found a kitchen and social house in Evanston will be presenting and uh, she always does a terrific terrific recipe and so that'll be something to look forward to this afternoon well does it have something to do with heirloom vegetables yes it certainly does uh, when we have a special themed weekend whether it's pepper Sunday or heirloom fest uh, we always ask the chefs who are presenting that day mm-hmm. we tell them hey this is a special weekend can you theme your recipe mm-hmm. to make it, you know, fit with yeah. the overall event? And so they're always, you know, 
so wonderful about uh, doing that. So I'm yesterday, uh, Laura Piper from the lunchroom was here and they did like an heirloom tomato salad with a really terrific homemade hummus. Mm. And uh, so today, I actually haven't seen Nicole's recipe yet. She's bringing it with her, but they- <laughs> Wait a um, second, are they supposed to clear that with you? Well, you know, when you have like terrific stuff, you just know it's gonna be Yeah, good. you don't have to worry and, about that. Everything sometimes they found make, um, is fabulous. Though. Oh my gosh, it is such a fun place. Um, and uh, yeah, Nicole is actually presented before, we used to, call this event Heirloom Tomato Weekend and really just mm -hmm. did tomatoes. But then this year we kind of branched out a bit. Okay, so I of, didn't yeah. get it wrong. So when I when I was thinking, uh, there were echoes in my brain of uh, other titles. You have changed it a little bit. Yes, we have changed it a bit. You're exactly right. We um, For several years we did Heirloom Tomato Weekend. And tomatoes, my gosh, are one of, I think, the top popular mm -hmm kind of veggies for people to, to grow and be Wait, wait, you know, wait, wait. It's a fruit, in. actually. Uh, I know it. Yeah, botanically, you know, but... it is a fruit. <laughs> All right. So good clarification, Mike. You uh, well, you know what? I really don't... You know, my definition, and I've said this before on the show, Aww. if you can put it... Oh, my goodness. Now, see, now we need a photo of this. Peggy's got a cicada on her finger there. Uh, or are you just... That's, that's, that's pretty cool. How Gloria, many of those are floating around here? I bet a few. Uh, Gloria, a few. would you like to get a photo of this? Let's let's get the yeah there we go. Uh, I, I was going to say getting back to fruits and vegetables. If you can put it on cereal, it's a fruit. I think yeah that that works. That's for my me, definition. Mike. I don't know. That works for I, me. I'm just, I'm, I'm right saying. there with you. Oh, oh, no, look. I think that's a perfect definition. Uh, look at this. We're getting the photo here. Photo op for the cicada. <laughs> How does that feel, Peggy? That's a little. Uh... He's got sharp little feet. Oh really? Yeah. So they they kind of dig in, eh? Yep. Um, so uh, so here we are at the Heirloom Fest. So not just tomatoes anymore. So that that's cool. Ooh, ooh, easy there. All right. He's good. Uh, I hope He's he good. starts making noise. That would be really cool. <laughs> and then yeah, we just hold the microphone that, yeah, up uh, to, yeah. With his wings. Uh, so what can folks, folks expect uh, today uh, if they come? And this is the second day of right. Heirloom Fest. Mm -hmm. uh, and unlike uh, July 12th, there's no rain. Thank goodness for that. It's always nice to have a sunny day when we have a special event. So like you mentioned earlier, it starts at 11, uh, goes 11 to 4, and we'll have all kinds of different heirloom tomatoes, vegetables, flowers, herbs on display. Mm -hmm. um, and then we have a number of um, staff here, outside experts, our volunteer experts, who will be basically all through the fruit and vegetable garden, talking everything from you know, how to grow in containers, because a lot of people like growing in containers and have a nice balcony garden, something like that, um, to growing heirlooms, saving seeds, preserving the harvest. Uh, Lisa Hilgenberg, our horticulturist, will be doing um, two tours of the garden, um, highlighting the heirloom varieties here at one and three. And then throughout the day, she is also doing uh, demonstrations in our demo tent uh, focused mm -hmm. on heirloom tomatoes, open pollinated tomatoes, and how you can save their seeds. And you've got some pretty amazing tomatoes. Uh, Peggy and I were doing a little tour here earlier before the show. Uh, and not just tomatoes. Uh, we were looking at the okra, which is, uh, what was right. that okra there? Or the um, I It's put... a red wine okra. Red burgundy. Red burgundy. Red burgundy right. okra. Uh, which, yeah, and I actually put a photo of it on yeah. on the blog. Uh, I, I suppose I could have just looked at it there, and there it is. Uh, with the pink Berkeley tie-dye tomatoes, the uh, red burgundy okra. It gets uh, paused up to six inches. 
and it's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I, I I would do it as decoration, not mm-hmm. necessarily on my dinner table. Right. Well, it's neat when so many, so many different you know vegetables um, have like this variety of color and so forth. Like you said, you can really have an ornamental vegetable garden yeah. as well as enjoying. And, you know, eating, eating the uh, and things like the, the pods uh, and some of the other fruits you can dry, the peppers you yes. can dry and use for wreaths and use for decoration. Oh my gosh, later. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of possibilities. You're exactly right. Um, and I didn't want to forget to say that today too, we have a number of vendors. I was um, going to get to that. Yeah, oh, we, I was looking you. over there, and you got a whole row of tables Wonderful. that uh, where the folks are going to be coming in soon and setting up shop. Right. So everyone from you know Windridge Herb Farm. Holcomb Hollow, which we've, uh, does a yeah, lot of we've interviewed them on, uh, the, on the show. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fabulous. Uh, I'm sorry, and I interrupt you. Go ahead. No problem. And um, oh my gosh, uh, a gentleman that specializes in uh, just makes different kinds of pepper jam. Mm-hmm. Um, a lovely uh, lady from Brazil who has uh, a type of chocolate called Brigadeiro. It's basically a Brazilian truffle. So we really try to make it fun and have a variety mm-hmm. of, of vendors. Heirloom popcorn is for sale. And then as well, we have a whole um, whole area for kids, for family activities. I was looking right over yeah. there. The yeah, family we can activities see the sign from here. Right from here, yeah. Um, so they'll have they have a really cute activity called sorting supper, where kids, you know, <laughs> kind of take different. That's different from playing with food on your plate. Is that is that different <laughs> it, from that? Different, Please go yeah. here. The yeah, potatoes okay. go there. But they just have all kinds yeah. of fun things over there to get all ages, kind of in you know involved, and um, and then kids can make a little. Uh, little dried herb mixture mm-hmm. to take home mm-hmm. for like when they make you know some nice tomato Are you like pasta or something. You're... No, I just tend to herb. say herb instead herb of herb. Instead of herb. Yeah, that's it's, it's, my it's only... fine with me. I don't, I, you know, not like it makes any difference. But you know, when herb shows up around the corner, yeah. and says, "Why are you invoking my name?" Uh, and I do know exactly. a herb. Yeah, I know a couple <laughs> herbs. So when you're planning programs like this, as you're looking towards 2018. What what inspires you for the programs? What are you looking for? Um, well, uh, for example, I'll go back a year. Um, you know, what I try to track are the kind of the year of mm-hmm. celebrations that the National Garden Bureau does, that the International Herb Association, um, you know, targets each year. So, for example, last year, the International Herb Association said it was the year of peppers. Everything capsicum annuum, hot and sweet. So I'll be the judge year, of that. If, um, uh, who declares these things? That's what I want to know. Well, it's, you know, they're out there. Um, and uh, so last year we had a whole series of pepper Sundays because mm-hmm. since it was the year of pepper. So, you know, that can get our, you know, creative uh, thoughts going. Um, next year, I thought it's been a couple of years since we had more of our herb garden weekend. That's, mm-hmm. um, you know, more general, not just one specific mm-hmm. type of uh, herb or herb, uh, such as peppers, but, um, you know, doing it a little more generally, because people, oh my gosh, love basil and dill and learning how to grow all things, yeah. all things herbal. So that's just one idea that we're pursuing uh, for next year. Uh, and and what, are, what are we missing here? I mean, when, when folks come down, you've got we, with the vendors, family activities, obviously the tours of the garden uh, oh, I know what I was going to mention because right. you, you mentioned the Brazilian woman coming here. You still got the Brazil uh, exhibit going yes, on here. Yes, absolutely. Uh, it's called Brazil in the Garden. Uh, it goes through October 15th. Okay. And, oh, my gosh, the plantings that are around the garden are just spectacular. Um, and here at Fruit and Veg, uh, Lisa as well planted banana, sugar cane, 
There are a number of other Brazil-inspired plantings, mm -hmm. actually, here at Fruit and Veg. Uh -huh. Exactly. Yeah. A number of peppers that are in containers, you know, that you don't see every day. Mm -hmm. um, much more, um, you know, rare varieties. So it's it's a great time of year to um, to come and see all yeah. these incredible kind of tropically inspired plantings that are around the garden. Now, one of the things you also do is all the interpretive signs. So when there's so much out here, how do you decide what types of signs and, you're and, and can you make a few for us we, uh, oh, before I'd be I leave? Happy, yeah. I'd like to yeah. have a, a little your sign. personal sign? Yeah, personal <laughs> yes, we sign. Need personal sign. Yeah. Um, we, um, you know, it, it, ideas can come from a variety mm -hmm. of, of reasons and a, a variety of, of uh, different angles. Um, and uh, we actually, there was a, a lovely outside writer who did all the signs for Brazil mm -hmm. in the garden. So, you know, you just look at kind of like, what are the different plants featured? What are the themes? Um, making sure people know about the exhibit that's inside the Regenstein Center about Roberto Burley Marx, the famous Brazilian landscape designer and artist. Love their, his movies. Very funny. Mark's never no, mind. I think, oh, yeah, I think okay. that's the, the other still Marks. thinking of Fredonia. <laughs> yeah, okay. Hail Fredonia. Um, <laughs> that was the eclipse. That was last that, week. Uh, that was last week. I want to talk about the eclipse some more. Oh, never mind. But we'll keep, keep going. So anyhow, so, you know, the signage is a nice yeah. way to, um, you know, let people know when there's kind of, you know, special things going on or something mm -hmm. that they shouldn't miss. Um, the horticulturists here in all the gardens are really terrific, too, about saying, oh, you know, I have this going on, or, mm -hmm. you know, can you help me let people know about that? So it's it's kind of an ongoing and yeah. collaborative process. One other plant that's here, the corpse flower. What's going on with that one? Um, right. I, I think that might have moved back it move? to its home in the production greenhouse. Um, but, but it you, was but spectacular. You, when you say it, it's them. But there was just oh, a corpse flower blooming recently here. Yes, you're yeah. exactly but, right. But you have a whole a whole crew of and so you've got like a, a baseball team of corpse flowers. We have 17. You've got two baseball wow. teams almost. <laughs> yeah. You just need one more and you can have two baseball corpse flower teams. Have them all blooming at once. The other team yeah. will just keel over. Exactly. Or you could have oh a football gosh. team with with extras, you know, for never mind. I'll right. stop the but sports no, that metaphor was, right here. It was here. gorgeous because actually, you know, you mentioned the eclipse and they named the this corpse flower that recently bloomed sunshine. Mm -hmm. So ah. that was a nice correlation. And uh, it was it was it bloomed right at the same the same day as the eclipse. Did so it really? Our floriculturist I, knew that it would be in this kind of uh -huh. ballpark. Yeah. You know, you can tell the kind of range of dates where you predict that it'll bloom. Um, but then it was just as luck would have it, it was the day of the eclipse. So it was very, uh, you know, it was just really fun to yeah. have, you know, both of those and, events occurring. And you had occurring. quite a successful eclipse event here. Yeah, we did. We partnered with Adler Planetarium, which was fantastic. And so we... Um, had you know lots of the solar glasses mm -hmm. uh, that they shared with us and um, yeah so it was just amazing you, seeing you everybody guys, here and observing what was going on. You have a lot of pull here at the uh, Botanic Garden. How come you didn't get totality to come through, Glenn? I know. I wish <laughs> so. we could have because we were close. We were so close. <laughs> I know but we got the clouds to part. We got the clouds to part. So that was you know that was good. And I. Uh, I went down to uh, Kentucky and saw. Did you? Oh my oh, yeah. gosh! You, so you saw totality. I saw totality. Oh my gosh! That How, was, was that the first time you've seen it? Yeah, I've been waiting my whole life 
for right. a total I'm, eclipse yeah, of I'm the sun. I'm ready to go to the next one. I am too. I'm ready to go to South America for the oh. one next year. You know, I'm ready to let's just go. Just go. Yeah. yeah. Let's just hop I, on I a plane. I think that's a, that's a great remote I mean, I, broadcast. I start, Lisa's yeah. like, Lisa's I'm going. Like, I'll I want to go. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll come with you. You know, and there are people who do that. They travel all yes. over the world, and, and every time one comes by, and they, 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 and they have them. collections of their, their – and now I know all the things that I want to do that I didn't get accomplished with this one. Okay, interesting. Yeah, so uh, – but, No, but, that's uh, exciting. Yeah, it, 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 it was really a lot of fun, but not as fun as being here at Heirloom Fest. Right. Well, actually, yeah, it is. But, yeah. but, Mike. <laughs> but uh, I just thought I'd give you guys a plug. So <laughs> we're going to encourage people to come to the Chicago Botanic Garden today. Again, we're here early. We're sort of the kickoff. Uh, sitting here at the chef's demo area, um, but the actual festivities start at 11. Yes. Go till four, and as you mentioned, Lisa, we'll be, we're going to talk to her in just a second. She's uh, hanging out there. I don't know if you noticed that the cicada flew uh, from behind us here oh. out into the tree. It was sort of hovering around He's us. He's getting a better view up there. I- <laughs> I think so. Is he uh, got a little uh, cell phone and he's yeah, doing like Facebook, face, living Facebook living up there. living Yeah. Uh, but uh, we hope folks uh, come by here because it is a beautiful day. I, you know, overcast is actually, if it doesn't rain, that's even better. It just the, the no, lights. No, it's it's nice. It's certainly better for photos. Yeah. Yeah, it's Couldn't just an for. awesome day. And uh, something I'm going to get into with some of our horticulturists here is the interesting change in weather. You go from six inches of rain in July, and now it's been dry uh, right. for a little bit. Uh, so, well, Christy Weber, uh, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, she is the Director of Interpretive Programs at Chicago Botanic Garden. Always a pleasure having you here. Thank you so much. It's always fun to be on your show. And you didn't even have to come to the studio or anything or be on the no, phone. No, you, get, you came to us. It's, <laughs> That's amazing. what we do. Mountains and Muhammad and things like that. Mm-hmm. All right. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki live from Heirloom Fest at the Chicago Botanic Garden. We will be right back. If you garden in or around Chicago and you don't have a subscription to Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, I'm a little worried about you. That's because you're missing out on not only the garden magazine for our region, but one of the best gardening magazines in the country. Every issue features spectacular photos, as well as articles by noted horticultural authorities, nursery owners, state extension agents, master gardeners, and more. There are columns like Ask the Garden Pros, Regional Reports, and What to Do in the Garden. Of course, there's my column on the inside back page of every issue, but into each life a little rain must fall. Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state gardening magazines. On newsstands everywhere, but go to chicagolandgardening.com and get a subscription. If you're in other parts of the Midwest or the South, try one of the 21 magazines in those regions by going to statebystategardening.com or call 888-265-3600. 888-265-3600. Let's face it, sometimes we overdo physical activity. That's when to give Dr. Bonnie Flaster a call. Dr. Flaster is a chiropractor who treats back and neck pain, but addresses foot, knee, shoulder, and wrist pain too, all with gentle, non-force adjustments. And she'll talk to you about your problems and work with you to devise the best treatment strategy. Find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Bonnie Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good. 
Streets Alive is Evanston's free annual Open Streets event, and it's coming to Main Street in Evanston this September 10th from 1 to 5 p.m. Streets Alive features a climbing wall, yoga, karate demos, music, interactive art, delicious food, and more. It also includes the Evanston Green Living Festival for folks looking for products, services, and ideas that promote sustainable lifestyles. For details, visit evanstonstreetsalive.org. What is this place? You're in uncharted territory. What do you mean? Where are we? I don't know if you've heard this. I don't know what it is. Tell us your name, please. 1590. WCGO Chicago. Welcome back to the Chicago Botanic Garden. We're live on the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki and sitting on my very right side here, uh, who's bringing veggies to display is Lisa Hilgenberg. Uh, always a pleasure to have you on the show. Hello. Good Hi. morning. Good morning. And um, she is the uh, one of the horticulturists here, uh, but certainly the horticulturist for the uh, Rangenstein Fruit and Vegetable Garden. And I call you mega horticulturist. Okay, that's Thank what you, you are. You are a mega horticulturist. Thank you. Uh, well, if you're in charge of fifty thousand plants, you got there. That's that's a lot of responsibility. Well, and you know that's the annual vegetable program is made up of fifty thousand plants. We have a whole collection, a museum collection, a living collection uh, that goes along with that of six hundred taxa of plants. So it's a lot of um, edible and, and you're talking about the, just the edible plants. Just the edible plants, the raspberries and the um, the permanent pear collection, the apple collection, uh-huh. uh, all the stone fruits. So there are lots of different collections um, here in on four acres of our vegetable island. Uh, and uh, Peggy, are we live here on Facebook? We are, we are on Facebook Live. Peggy is. Uh, we it's 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 a little more complicated here when we're out at the because we got. Show show some of this, Peggy. It's like we got this this uh, nest here of wait 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 wait. Go ahead. Radio in a box, we call it. Yeah, we call it radio in a box. But when it comes out of the box, it grows a life of its own. And you know, we're this is how we're hooked up. Show that this is this is what's powering this. We go to the station on that little cell phone, and uh, and there's our our internet connection right there. <laughs> <laughs> that's how See, it, we, we solve the internet connection here. Oh, but this look at this. This is the most important thing. Wow. That's the most yeah, important the thing. Look at the that tomato. tomato. Of the hour. What is that tomato? That is the pink Berkeley tie dyed tomato. Come on. Which yeah, we, come on. You can Join see us. What, <laughs> we're scaring off the uh, the patrons here. Uh, Isn't wow. This a beauty? Where did wow. you get that? I just harvested it. I'm hoping to give it to you to take home. I'll <gasps> have to get another one for you, Peggy. I think I saw that over there when we yeah. went by earlier. Isn't that the most beautiful That's tomato? So it's this sort of port wine color burgundy tomato. It has this metallic green stripe. It's just a beautiful tomato. And inside, it's uh, it's delicious. It's absolutely meaty and rich. And uh, I hope you'll have this for dinner. In a day. It needs another yeah, day on I the counter. Yeah, it looks like it might have a, a day. And, uh, and then absolutely. saving the seeds from it, too. And then saving the seeds from it, which is what we're going to talk about today uh, here at, at Heirloom Fest. Um, we're going to do some tomato seed saving. Mm-hmm. And so it's a good time to just um, uh, let everybody know that to save tomato seeds, you should really pick the best fruit. So the ideal fruit So will... you don't get the one that's uh, a little off? <laughs> 
<laughs> because you're not going to eat it. You actually have to sacrifice one of the better ones, right? That's true. Aww. That's true. You should. That's wait, a shame. Wait until the <laughs> till the tomato is completely mature um, and uh -huh. fully horticulturally mature, which sometimes is a little bit past its edible stage. So uh, it you know it may not be um, delicious anymore, but it's certainly something that you should save seed mm -hmm. from. Well, let's walk us through that yeah, saving seed we... because you're going to yeah. show people here today. But let's. Do it on the radio, and actually, uh, you, I, you, we should have probably set up something for Facebook. But we tell could us, have, well, yeah. And next, we are next on, time. We are on Facebook, or or well after the break, maybe we could do it too. Well, it's it's very straightforward. There are a couple of ways, two ways. Um, the way of fermenting seed, mm -hmm. which is um, letting the seed sit for a couple of days. Uh, it forms a little moldy crust on the top of the seed and the guts yeah, of but, the but, tomato. Yeah, but before before you do that, war. Are you opening up the tomato right. or are you just uh, draining the seed? What, where you say? It, Do you have a, a knife, uh, a, a pocket knife? Because it's best I to always slice the tomato around the equator. So you want to slice the, the tomato sort of around the center, not stem to stem. And that what that does is it opens up the seed cavities, and you're able to squish all the guts out into the Ew. little dish. <laughs> and you can strain that over your kitchen sink. So you want to wash the seeds off and get as much of the um, flesh of the tomato off. And then um, pop that out, kind of dump it out onto a paper plate. Um, I like to use a coffee filter or um, a paper towel to kind of soak up some of the moisture. Okay. And then it's important to let that dry for about three uh, weeks. So 21 that days. That long. A long, okay. long time. You know, you want to store it properly um, in a heat uh, and humidity neutral place. Okay. So and not too warm, not too cold, not too humid, mm, just... Exactly. And if right. the seed isn't dry in the first place, then you're going to have problems um, when you're storing it. So you may come yeah. back in the spring ready to plant those but, tomatoes. But you talked and... about this crust forming. <clears throat> What's that all about? Yeah, so that would be another way to save um, tomatoes. Oh, but that's seeds. different from the one you just said, well, which is the... Uh... It's a little more advanced, and it's only because it's it's best for people who are saving large quantities of tomato mm -hmm. seed um, for professional growers, um, that little gelatinous coating that's around the tomato seed um, can be fermented off by mm -hmm. letting it sort of ripen in that mm -hmm. dish for a couple of days. So, so once so that you take, happens... you take the gel, you put it in the dish with the, the still surrounding the seed, and then you let it ferment. Exactly. Is there any other treatment you do with it sitting in the dish? You just sort of sit it there and let it do its thing. Exactly. And, and the, then what? The smell will indicate when it's time <laughs> to wash it off. Uh, all right. So be you know be sure and just rinse it extremely well over the sink again in a strainer, and then yeah. pop it out on the paper plate and dry it, just like we did the the simple seed saving method. Um, and then. Um, so okay, and I'm and I'm sorry I'm being so dense here, but I just want to make this perfectly clear. So. You put it in your dish. You let it ferment. You, you, you when it smells and it's got a crust. You take the crust off, or kind of, or not. Just pour it in the sink. Just pour it in the in the sink in a strainer. You know, strain it and rinse it off with um, some fresh water. And so you're cleaning that gelatinous coating off. And what that does is it aids in germination for the next year. So um, that coating prevents the seed from sprouting while it's in the tomato. So it's a okay. very interesting. Um, uh, method and mm -hmm. if you um, for, just give it a try, we'll be doing demos all day. I think um, 12:30, uh, 2 o'clock, 3:30 here at the about Botanic how to Garden. do that. So, about how to do yeah. that. So um, and it's just one of you know many many different vegetables that have different seed saving techniques that are best for for them.
And and then is it good to put it in the fridge uh, over the winter or do you, or just keep it uh, dry someplace? Yeah, I you know I prefer something that has some uh, airflow. So something that um, isn't sealed like a plastic bag. It's best to store it in a in a mailing envelope and just um, put it in the top desk drawer of you know in really? your office. Um, that's be what sure it, to label it. What what seeds? Do, <laughs> what yeah, what and don't mail it to somebody. Uh, what uh, seeds? Are there seeds that do better uh, in the refrigerator? You know, it's hard to control the temperature of our refrigerators accurately, and so it's important to just store seed in the top desk drawer. I think for home gardeners, that's the best way to do it. For just if, tomatoes or for all? I think for all vegetables. All really? Vegetables. Okay. Uh huh. Do you store yours in the refrigerator? I've been known to, uh, but I I don't really collect that many, you know, because uh, I. <laughs> I'm, I'm the, the next year I'm going out and I'm getting, oh, somebody's going to give me some seeds somewhere and I'm going to plant them. So. Well, I, here are some for you, Mike. Save the seed from this uh, pink Berkeley tie-dye tomato. This okay. is a delicious tomato and um, it's an open pollinated plant. So it's a plant that will come true to seed in the next generation. So it will reliably reproduce itself the next generation. And that's the whole um, piece of seed saving that, um, you know, it's the definition of of um, an open pollinated heirloom plant. Mm -hmm. So uh, that would be in opposed to a hybrid plant mm -hmm. where um, the best qualities of a mother and a father uh, vegetable have been crossed uh, to create a hybrid plant, an F1 plant um, or an F1 vegetable. And it's likely that those will not come true to seed. They'll revert back to one of the um, uh, uh, undesirable characteristics of one of the parents right so they won't grow true to seed so if you get and 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 let's explain this a, a little bit uh of the difference between an open pollinated and a hybrid and a gmo i think it confuses the heck out of people right now uh especially the hybrid and gmo i see people who say you know we've been uh practicing uh genetic modifying for millennia because we cross-pollinate and I think it's that's a deliberate obfuscation I think it deliberately sends people down the wrong path because I think if you refer to that kind of cross-pollination as hybrids rather than GMO you're you're in a better place but why don't you explore you know part you of the part of the uh, fun and the lore that we're trying to um, enable home gardeners to um, enjoy is um, selecting heirloom plants that have interesting stories that go along with those plants that have um, good reputations, if you will. So uh, we're growing. Not um, my neighborhood. We're growing organically here in the uh, Regenstein Fruit and Vegetable Garden, and um, part of that organic practice, as we're following USDA protocol, is that we don't use GMO uh, seed to to start with. So we're not using any synthetics and we're not using um, modified um, What? How do seeds. you so, How do you define GMO? That's well, what I want to know. Think that, I think that's such a hot issue and it's something that is um, politically um, uh, so powerful. And I think that uh, I think the focus should be on some of these beautiful heirlooms that um, that people can enjoy in the kitchen that tastes delicious. That's why we're growing and advocating for heirloom growing. 
Um, so rather than get into that whole, I know you want to get into that I GMO thing, Mike, you okay. do this every time I'm on. No, I don't. Oh, yeah, I no, I yes, you do. <laughs> I think we should focus on the beauty of heirloom uh, vegetable growing and remembering that they're open pollinated plants and that they can reliably reproduce themselves. Mm -hmm. It's likely that, um, you know, Jimmy Nardello's pepper came over in uh, Grandma Nardello's uh, the hem of her skirt, perhaps. I want to say in a dirty sock. Ship, uh, that's, from that's Italy. A, no, not a dirty oh, sock. No, it, okay. it, it was in the sh the, uh, <laughs> the shipping trunk. It was in a corner of the trunk. <laughs> exactly. It very well could have. So okay. Story... Okay. Well, then, then we're going to break here in just a second. But, but what that I would ask you, if you're not going to help me with the GMO question, then tell me the difference between an heirloom and an open a pollinated plant. I think all. Uh, all heirlooms are open pollinated, so that's part of the definition. Um, but I think heirlooms are like antiques, where they come along with more than that. They come along with an interesting story. Mm -hmm. They come along with um, lore, probably better taste, um, and a little bit more genetic variability in them. So they're what, what um, about nutrition? <clears throat> perhaps you know, I think a lot of uh, nutritionists and um, uh, there are many studies on the nutritional mm -hmm. content of a deep, dark blue tomato um, higher in lycopene yeah. and anthocyanin than other Don't you um, throw those other words red at tomatoes. me. Don't you, don't, don't you go that <laughs> I don't know, the music started. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, all right, well. You hold the tomato. I'm going to hold this. We're okay. going to be right back with Lisa Hilgenberg from the uh, Chicago Botanic Garden. We're at Heirloom Fest with Peggy Malecki. It's the Mike Novak Show. We'll be right back. Are you ready to make a positive change in the world around you? One that's easy and creates beauty. Make the switch to native plants, natural communities native plants. Enjoy the elegance of nature, the birds, the pollinators, and yes, even monarch butterflies, without the excessive maintenance and without pesticides. Natives create food for pollinators and birds, offset climate change, cleanse water, reduce floodwaters, and they look great. Natural Communities has more than 200 species of affordable woodland, wetland, and prairie plants, as well as shrubs, trees, and seeds native to the Midwest. And now is the time to get those plants established in your yard for a head start next year. Go to naturalcommunities.net. And if you use the word NOVAK, N-O-W-A-K, at checkout, you'll get 10% off your purchase until October 1st. Don't just get back to nature. Create it in your own backyard. Go to naturalcommunities.net. If you're looking to invest in an electrical car or truck, make sure to hire a state-licensed electrical contract. The installation of that charger will require a permit in most municipalities. So make sure to check the ICC website for a certified contractor at icc.illinois.gov. You can also call DNR Services Unlimited. They've been a licensed electrical contractor since 1992. Visit their website at RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. It'll be easy to find someone cheaper, but a lot harder to find someone better. Stay in touch with The Mike Novak Show. Find us on Facebook at The Mike Novak Show. Use the Twitter handle at MikeNow. Send us a photo on Instagram at The Mike Novak Show or write to us, mike at mikenovak.net. Speaking of the website, podcasts and blog posts are available every week at mikenovak.net. And while you're there, sign up for those posts and our newsletter on the homepage. And please support the sponsors who support us. Look for logos and specials at mikenovak.net. 
sound you hear is my time machine letting me know it's time to return to our own world. This is your talk, WCGO. Hang on. It's jungle out there. Disorder and confusion everywhere. One of my favorite themes of all time. <laughs> it's a jungle out there. And it's a jungle here at the Chicago Botanic Garden. Peggy and I are here on the Mike Novak Show live at Heirloom Fest 2017. We're sitting next to horticulturist Lisa Hilgenberg, who's who's giving me grief because I'm going to take her down the GMO path and she won't go. <laughs> and uh, we're live on Facebook. And we're live on go Facebook, so go watch us on Facebook for a few more minutes. Uh, we're not going to do that for the whole show today because it's just too difficult. Uh, my, my knees are going to give up. Yeah, that's then. right. You can't do that. <laughs> Uh, let's get back to the tomato real quick. Uh, during the break, those of you who are on Facebook Live heard this, but those listening on regular radio did not. You said to store a tomato uh, upside down on its stem area rather than the other way around. Uh, I had never heard that before. That's right, on the stem end. And I think, you know, it's interesting. We've learned that through our Windy City Harvest Program has um, uh, a sort of a food processing piece that goes along with that. And so when the interns come and, and uh, work here in the fruit and vegetable garden, they've taught us a lot about post-harvest handling and how we should manage this produce. Mm -hmm. Food is heavy, and it takes a lot of work to properly um, store it and tote it off of the island. And it's important for... Um, uh, that to it, well, it's amazing. Uh, no, I ju it so just when you say the island, really... and I mean you have the island here, and I was thinking, well, you can vote uh, vegetables off the island too, but that's a different story. <laughs> we do that. We vote vegetables off the island. Oh, but if, you, she's, if she's, you're pruning your, if you're clipping your tomato, you know, make sure to to harvest it with just a little bit of the stem still intact, mm -hmm. and don't cut into the fruit at all, and then store the tomato upside down um, on your kitchen counter, which is I hope how you'll do it. Uh, before you eat it. Before you days. eat it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I will now. Yeah. I have never done that before. Well, I'm going to take, I'm going to go home. And, and, and so Gloria is also nodding. He goes, yep. Where we, why have we never heard this before? I think it's, it, you know, when you work so hard to garden and to um, to grow these plants, I've been thinking about this pink Berkeley tie-dye for over a year, <laughs> every that, day. That particular one, too. That's the sad part. Yeah. So I think it's, you know, you just want to make sure it's the highest quality. Yeah. But, but what is it about turning it upside down that stores it better? I think, I think it just... I think the pressure of the tomato will be on the place mm -hmm. that can take the pressure better. Uh, the shoulders are perhaps yeah. a little yeah, bit uh, more stable. So if you have something, we've had so much well, moisture they ripe, this they year. Well, they ripen slower, <clears throat> right? I think they, you know, I don't know about that. If they ripen slower, if you turn them upside down. No, no, no. What I mean not, is if you look at a tomato, the, the green is the oh, last right. to go, which means yeah. that's the last to ripen. So that means that's going to be the hardest part, which makes a lot of sense then to put it. So the pressure inside. So the pressure is not on the part mm -hmm. that's already ripened on the Let's bottom. Let's call these the shoulders then. The oh, shoulders of the okay. tomato. And we'll, we'll be talking about all of these different things today in the fruit and vegetable all right, garden. We've got, we've got this. This is the, uh, the okra. This uh, is the beautiful bur red burgundy okra. Yeah. It's um, a little bit green, but it's starting to turn right, red. Right, but it's so large, so it's really inedible at this point. Mm -hmm. Okra is best harvested when it's two to three inches long, maybe even a little smaller. Um, so as a northerner, I don't know that much about okra. <laughs> I have um, only grown about eight varieties out here. So uh, I think um, the I, I was completely taken with okra last year, and I mm -hmm. saved um, several, uh, I don't know, hundred of these large overgrown okra, and I 
I split the seed cavity open along the side, exposed the seed and dried those, and then I made a Christmas wreath out of the dried okra, mm-hmm. which was fun. See, um, now, fun now you, which, which somebody we, we is, will post a photo of it later because I oh, have cool. a photo oh, you of do? it. Oh, yeah. I, I, and I was going to say somebody's found it a good use for okra. Yeah. All right. Isn't that oh, wonderful? Oh, come on. It's, it's good. I love so okra. Keep, it's good. Keep telling me that, Peggy. Okay. Well, it's you a, make that you know, dish a, for me and it, I, maybe I'll uh, try okra it. Okra is related to hibiscus, so it has just an exquisite flower and it mm-hmm. has a very tall stature in the garden. It's very architectural. So I think it's a beautiful plant to include in your edible landscape. Um, there are several new, um, or not new, but um, different varieties that have um, smaller stature, mm-hmm. um, Clemson spineless, and some of the um, varieties that are um, uh, heirloom are beautiful, and they're in the small space garden. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, so I think okra is a plant that's um, certainly worth growing. It likes a lot of heat, so we've had a very sort of cool summer. Mm-hmm. Um, so have it, they not performed up to what you, know, you would it's, hope? It's surprising. I think yeah. um, things really have, getting the watering right has been tricky this year um, because now all of a sudden we're dry yes. in yes. August. I was out watering yesterday. It's so dry. Um, but we had so much rain in the beginning of the season and so much, I think it's more about the sunlight. Um, we've had such mm-hmm. gray days. And yeah. um, so I think that um, we're like slow today. to ripen in this a lot of a, cases. kind of typical for 2017 right yeah. now. Yeah. 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 And but as Rick was saying, yesterday we have 10 to 15 days of this coming up do we of, really of, of, of cool temperature and kind of no i don't i think we're, we might be done with the hot weather for the rest of uh of the of the season boy i know it's, I know she, her, her, it's gonna so be a delicious fallen. september yeah. then because the tomatoes will ripen uh, yes. and um they will and if you harvest a little bit early two to three days before they're fully ripe on the vine they'll ripen on your counter okay so. yeah well, there's a pepper you and I have been talking about off and on all summer, and that's the fish pepper. Such a beautiful plant. It's growing right here by the by the pool. We'll get a picture of that uh, later. And we'll, yeah, I think you posted a picture on your blog, uh, maybe, or yeah, we we'll, could. We'll, we'll get right? it up there. Yeah, it's a variegated uh, plant, it, so mm-hmm. it has um, white and green foliage, so it's a beautiful plant. Um, long season, Fre- about off 80 days. Forward. Yeah, he's going to find one. It's, um, it's a striped pepper. Um, to start. So it starts out green and white. It almost looks like a candy cane. And then uh, it turns bright red, just this beautiful candy red um, when it's ready to harvest. It I was saw a, a photo of it uh, mm-hmm. that uh, Peggy took. Oh, that's what I was thinking of, maybe, that you have it. Yeah. So I think we talked about yeah, it when you we were here. Yeah, you had one when you were... Or, was uh, that her photo pla- or yeah. yours? I don't well, remember. Well, we had a couple. Yeah. But yeah, you were planting the other day. Here, oh, yeah. here comes... Yeah. Fred, here bring comes that. Fred. Yeah. It's Pepper green, over. though. That's... Uh, all right, bring that Thank over you. here. Thank, Thank you, you, Fred. Isn't that beautiful? And it's used, um, it was used as a grinding pepper um, in white sauces and different uh, sauces that were served um, around Chesapeake Bay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a very important plant to African Americans. So it's a plant that um, is uh, has a lot of lore. Um, and um, William Woyes Weaver received this um, uh, seed when he inherited his grandfather's seed collection. Um, at it's called the Roughwood Seed Collection, and now this plant is available due to seed pr- preservation houses like Seed Savers Exchange, Baker Creek Heirloom Seed, um, and uh, uh, different vendors have this fish pepper available. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those plants that's delicious, um, but it's also just as delicious in the garden. It's a, just a beautiful plant. We just got a tweet from Casey Tomato, who's always, "Hey Casey, how hey, you doing?" Hi, Casey. Uh, he says, "Peggy, adding water increases the chance." Uh, that the seed will germinate during fermenting. So, 
you don't want that happening. I'd have to figure out, Casey, where that came from. Um, it was a fermentation method on some tomato website. Uh, but that's what you get when you go to the inner tubes and uh, look up this ki this kind of stuff. So you never know. You know, there's so much. We've got other guests coming up, but there's so much uh, that I want to ask you about as we get into this part of the season because we're getting near the harvest and we're already starting to harvest and the weather has changed as we mentioned it went from wet to dry what how are you uh, adapting to this different uh, the different conditions that we're having right now we you know be sure and check um, below the surface of the soil so uh, check for watering needs very very carefully dig down a couple of inches mm -hmm. and see really what's going on beneath the, the um, soil surface um, I think Generally, vegetables start to shut down when nighttime temperatures, um, you know, go below 50 or 55 degrees. Mm -hmm. So um, that's something that we're watching. Yeah. Um, but we've got a lot of fruit on these plants. We're about three weeks behind, I think, in, in uh, tomato ripening. So, uh, again, it's going to be a delicious September. I think we just have to hang in there and don't overwater plants. Mm -hmm. Keep the water off the foliage and uh, uh, hang in there. <laughs> Hang and, in there. And, that's... and the kale will keep going when the, the tomatoes are done. That's for sure. Kale is a rock star, isn't it? It mm -hmm. just always produces, and I think, um, plant your cool season crops. Uh, can we now, still do that? Which we've started doing, absolutely. Good, good. Yeah. So let folks know that the, they can do that, and the, and that's it. Get one more. Uh, all right, we're, uh, we're, we're getting out of here. Thank you, Lisa Hilgenberg. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki live from... Uh, Heirloom Fest at Chicago Botanic Garden. Stick around for the second hour. We'll be right back. Captain's log, stardate 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Warp. Mr. Data, be more specific. Asparagus officinalis, or killer asparagus, was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work. Of course. Attack of the Killer Asparagus is required reading at Starfleet Academy. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Gwynok of Ninglador. Captain, shields are failing. Thank you, Mr. Wolf. Mr. Data, options. Captain, it seems to be available online at aroundtheblockpress.com. What do they have to say? Hmm. It appears that Mike Novak is a slapstick every gardener, taking all our self-delusions, mishaps, and confusions, and playing them for big laughs. That's not very helpful, Mr. Data. No, it is, however, highly accurate. Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Call us with your questions and comments at 847-475-1590. Here they are again. Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. Whenever my head starts to hurt, before it goes from bad to feeling worse, I turn off my phone, I get down low, and put my hands in the dirt. I try to stop the world from moving so And fast. welcome back. I should turn that down a little bit. Welcome back to the Chicago Botanic Garden and Heirloom Fest. Peggy Malecki is here, and uh, I made her drop the... Uh, the Facebook Live. Mm -hmm. Oh, we're getting a little spritz yeah, here. Yeah, that's what I'm feeling. Woo, okay. Stop any, that. Any, any Stop chance that. there's a, uh, 
a trash bag or something we can get to <laughs> cover the board. <laughs> uh, I'll just put I'll just put this here if I have to. Um, and uh, we have some more great guests coming up, so I hope you stick around. But I hope you come down or up or sideways to the Botanic Garden uh, and uh, and participate in Heirloom Fest. There's a lot going on for the family. There's a lot going on. You're going to learn a ton of stuff. You know, this was not in the forecast. Where's Rick DeMaio when we need him? Rick! Rick! Ricky! Um, so uh, I want to get back to something that we started to uh, talk about in the first hour, and I interrupted myself, which is uh, the Illinois Recycling Association doing a an event on the 12th of September, and it is... Uh, a symposium called Revitalizing Plastics Recycling. Well, that, that almost works, Peggy. There we go. That's good. Leave it right there. Re Revitalizing Plastics Recycling, and it's it is uh, it's a half-day symposium, but there's a ton of stuff going on, and I think you're going to find it worth your while. Uh, it's at the I Hotel in Champaign, Illinois. Uh, and it's only 60 bucks, and that's the other thing. Uh, we're going to have all kinds of folks there. There's going to be on-site pyrolysis demonstration, which is plastics to oil. How do you turn plastics into oil? There's a poly expanded polystyrene densifier. Expanded polystyrene, what is that? You know it is styrofoam. Uh, and as you know, it's difficult to get rid of. It's one of those substances. It's going to be around. When the next wave of dinosaurs roam the planet, the mm -hmm. polystyrene will still be here. Um, and uh, there are densifiers uh, around the country. There's actually, uh, I think, one or two near, Ill, uh, near Chicago. Uh, but we've got this uh, wonderful group of speakers, and including Brian Plotner from the University of Illinois, who's done a survey of uh, plastics recycling in Illinois. Ken Santowski... Uh, who is president of Chicago Logistics Service, and he, he recovers polystyrene. I love this guy. I've talked to him. I'm going to have him on the show, I hope, next week. Uh, Ken Santowski uh, has made it his personal mission to, to help find ways to recover expanded polystyrene or styrofoam. Uh, and he's uh, uh, like a one-man band out there doing this, and I love what he's doing. One of the places he works is the Shed Aquarium. And he is the, pe the person who picks up their uh, polystyrene. Uh, B.K. Sharma is going to do, he's a, re a senior research science scientist at Illinois Sustainable Technology Center. And uh, as a matter of fact, I should mention that they are working with the Illinois Recycling mm -hmm. Association. The two organizations to, are putting on this thing together. B.K. Sharma is uh, going to have the demonstration uh, of pyrolysis which is the plastics to oil, and it's going to be right on site, right during the symposium. So it is so cool. You get breakfast, you get lunch, you get some wonderful speakers. We're going to be talking about sustainable domestic ag plastic recycling. Uh, we do a lot of agriculture in Illinois and neighboring states. What are we doing to recycle that plastic? Um, plastics, as you and I talked on the show, Peggy, we had this report on how half of the plastic ever, ever, made was in the last 13 mm -hmm. years uh and, so it's still out there and uh and, and it's all and, still around and it's all still around it's really hard to to get rid of it so this is why we're, we're doing this thing 
So if you want more information to that, go to IllinoisRecycles.org or go to Illinois Recycling Association on Facebook. You can find that. Uh, and or write to me, Mike at MikeNovak.net. If, if if you hear this and you go, I didn't remember, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't write down what you said. Just write to me, and I'll get you the information. Now you had one more thing that uh, we had coming up. <laughs> you can't see it through. Uh, yeah, and you you got the paper, but I've the, got the paper um, here. Where's the paper? Illinois Stewardship Alliance. Is, oh right, is yes. Participating U.S. House Agriculture Committee uh, has a meeting in Decatur on August 30th. It's a special listening session. Um, where the House Ag Committee is getting prepared to write the next farm bill. So there's only going to be a few listening sessions across the country. Uh, con con Congress members from Illinois are going to be there who are on the House Agriculture Committee, and they want people to come on out. I am I, I've got it here. It's, okay. it's at, uh, it's at uh, Schilling Hall at Richland Community College. That is in Decatur. Uh, now, it might seem that, well, why am I going out to Decatur to talk about the Farm Bill? The Farm Bill only rolls around once every five years. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine, uh, well, you know, it's so important, even more important now, to get our voices heard about what goes into the Farm Bill. Uh, so if you have uh, an opinion about this and, and you want to get uh, involved in this, uh, give us a holler also, uh, or the Illinois Stewardship Alliance, and that's ilstewards.org. Il right, ilstewards.org. And if you've got some time on the 30th, what is that? Is that Wednesday? It's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. Uh, and it's 9 a.m. Ben's got the music going. And Ben's got the music. So we're coming back to uh, the Chicago Botanic Garden and the Heirloom Fest. Uh, we'll be right back with Peggy Malecki. It's the Mike Novak Show. Do you know that right now, late summer and early fall is the best time to get your lawn in shape? And this time, why not make it beautiful and sustainable? Talk to Logic Lawn Care, an Evanston-based company that uses a holistic approach, meaning it's not just putting down harmful products, it's about process. Logic also works with schools, park districts, and municipalities across Chicagoland to manage large turf areas. Get a free estimate. Go to LogicLawnCare.com or call 847-421-6500. Streets Alive, Evanston's free annual Open Streets event is coming to Main Street in Evanston on September 10th from 1 to 5 p.m. Streets Alive features a climbing wall, yoga, karate demos, music, interactive art, delicious food, and more. It also includes the Evanston Green Living Festival for folks looking for products, services, and ideas that promote sustainable lifestyles. For details, visit evanstonstreetsalive.org. Are you ready to make a positive change in the world around you? One that's easy and creates beauty. Make the switch to native plants, natural communities native plants. Enjoy the elegance of nature, the birds, the pollinators, and yes, even monarch butterflies, without the excessive maintenance and without pesticides. Natives create food for pollinators and birds, offset climate change, cleanse water, reduce floodwaters, and they look great. Natural Communities has more than 200 species of affordable woodland, wetland, and prairie plants, as well as shrubs, trees, and seeds native to the Midwest. And now is the time to get those plants established in your yard for a head start next year. Go to naturalcommunities.net. And if you use the word NOVAK, N-O-W-A-K, at checkout, you'll get 10% off your purchase until October 1st. Don't just get back to nature. Create it in your own backyard. Go to naturalcommunities.net. 
Uh, <laughs> welcome back to the Mike Novak Show, where we're sitting in the rain. Um, it is drizzling here at the uh, Chicago. But it will be gone by 11 o'clock. Yeah, ex- we, we have that uh, promise. So uh, do come out here. And anyway, it's, it's, not, it's hardly uh, coming down at all. It's just a little bit. And, uh, they, they ran and got us plastic to cover the boards. We're good. Which is, which is fine with me. And sitting on our right is Fred Spicer. Uh, who is executive vice president and director of the Chicago Botanic Garden. But that sounds uh, rather lofty, Fred. Uh, and uh, I noticed that you uh, you come from the Birmingham Botanical Gardens in Alabama. So, uh, And that just happened this year, right? Just happened this year. I'd like to say that my, uh, my route from New Jersey to the <laughs> Chicago Botanic Garden took a 15-year detour in Birmingham. But it was a great place to be, a great experience, and I'm really thrilled to be here. Uh, and especially here with you guys today. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm glad you're here, and he's the one that's under uh, the, uh, under awning, the awning here, here, so that's good. No, we got to protect him. I appreciate he's that. He's the ex- executive <laughs> he's vice hat. president and director, so you know, let's let's keep him here. You know, what's the, what's the difference? Uh, be, you know, you've got uh, the botanic gardens, and they call them in Birmingham botanical, and here we call it the botanic. Uh, and I learned that a long time ago when working with the Chicago Botanic Garden. You want to get it exactly right. You just don't want them to uh, to get tense around you. Gloria's yeah, it's, nodding. It's, <laughs> it's definitely uh, part of each organization's brand, so you definitely want to get that right. Semantically, I'm not, ex- I'm not exactly sure Gloria or one of the people in our communications department could explain one's an adverb, one's an ad- I don't <laughs> I don't know, true. parts of speech, like historic and historical. But that's actually, there is a difference. So I'm not sure why. But, but, but actually, the, the point I wanted to make, though, is that you come from two different zones completely, uh, hardiness zones uh, in the Alabama, or the Birmingham uh, Botanical Gardens. Uh, you're, you're in administration, but as a horticulturist, there's, there's a bit of difference in working at these two gardens. What have you noticed in just the time you've been here? Well, so that's a great question, and since I learned uh, plants initially in northern New Jersey, a lot of this has been about returning to things that used to be familiar to me. Uh-huh. Um, and, and after 14 years in Birmingham, right before uh, my wife and I left to, to move here, I did sort of a little farewell tour of broadleaf evergreens. Uh, but <laughs> this spring, seeing, seeing the crab apples at the garden, come into bloom, the beautiful crab apples that we have around Lakeside, uh, seeing the Scots pine, the trained Scots pine that we have in the Japanese garden, and seeing the lushness of the herbaceous plants, all of the perennials that grow so well in this part of the world that don't. So gardening really is, in many ways, about embracing where you are uh, as you try to push the envelope a little bit Mm -hmm. and pretend you're somewhere else. It's very interesting you should say that because I think any gardener who has ever moved goes through that. And and my example is I'm I'm a Midwest boy and grew up in Detroit and now I'm in Chicago, basically the same mm-hmm. same thing. But for a while I owned a home on the in the Pacific Northwest yeah. in uh in the Olympic National Forest. Yeah. And that's a zone 8. It's it now. It's a it's, cool zone. It's eight. a cool zone. Eight. Yeah. yeah. How, and how do you say cool zone? Eight. People think zone eight, and it's got to be lots of heat. But it's right. the maritime right. influence. So there I was dealing with plants that I never saw 
in Chicago, uh, and, and, it, and, and in some ways I say, well, that's not fair because you can grow fuchsia, fuchsias all year long in the Pacific Northwest. And they, there's these, we had one outside the house that, that was five, six feet tall, and these arching branches would come out with the fuchsias on them, and the, the hummingbirds would come. And I'd say, right, well, that's not right. fair. I can't do that in it, Chicago. It, it isn't fair. But there, there are probably a number of things that you can grow well in Chicago. I mentioned crab apples that won't yeah. grow well in the Pacific Northwest, or yep. uh, the bulbs. Uh, a lot are, of bulbs. Are, and, you, and actually, I think like California and Florida with, right. with bulbs, right? They're, they're tougher. Um, the state wildflower of Alabama, <laughs> which is the oak leaf hydrangea that grows very well here in Chicago, doesn't flower in the Pacific Northwest because there's not enough heat. Mm-hmm. So if it flowers, it's very poor flowering plants. So, and I've got one in my backyard. Yeah, that's. A, Way too big for my little tiny box, but I'm never taking it out. What a great four-season ornamental. Beautiful oh, foliage, yes. summer flowers, great fall color, great winter characteristics with its exfoliating bark. It's just a really beautiful shrub. It, it really is. And and, and I was talking uh, yesterday. We had, do you know uh, Melinda Myers? Have you ever met Melinda? I'm sorry, I, I, I have not. Okay. She's a horticulturist. She just received a Hall of Fame award from the garden writers association fantastic. this year yeah fantastic. and she was on the show yesterday and we were talking about pruning hydrangeas yeah. and my oak leaf hydrangea and we didn't get to this conversation on the air because we ran out of time but she was saying well you know like with most flowering plants you you prune it right after it blooms yes. problem with an oak leaf hydrangea is those blooms look beautiful for months right afterward right. and mm-hmm. and you're terrified to go after it because right. you're going to mutilate the plant uh, and take away these beautiful blooms. And so I haven't pruned it, so it's going to be huge again next year. Yeah, it's going to be huge again next year. But, you know, one of these years you just, you know, bite the bullet. I did actually several years ago. I did. And then the next year I had nothing. Really? And, yeah. Oh. And, and actually for two years I had nothing and really? I couldn't figure out what was going on. And then the, the year after that it exploded with wow. blooms. So mm-hmm. go okay. figure. Okay. You know, because, uh, well, I talked to... Uh, uh, you know, an, another horticulturist friend of mine, and she said, well, you know, it's is that the perfect site for it? And what was the winter like? And those True. sorts of things. Lots you just of factors. Never know. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, that's Fred Spicer, Executive Vice President and Director of the Chicago Botanic Garden. What do they have you doing these days? I mean, what what is your mission here at the Botanic Garden? So uh, a lot of people remember uh, Chris Jarantoski. And right. I, I seceded. Chris. Yeah, you're filling big shoes, by the way. <laughs> well, it, th- those are big shoes. And uh, Chris, just a, a phenomenal uh, friend, uh, a phenomenal horticulturist. And, and really, uh, so I look at one of my most important missions is to be an effective steward of a lot of the things that Chris um, really, in, in many ways, built here at Chicago Botanic Garden. So stewardship is a, a big piece of, of, of what I'm doing and preserving and moving the garden forward um, in ways that I think Chris would have approved of. <laughs> so there, there is that shadow. But at the same time, um, Chris didn't do everything that needed to be done. I'm finishing the construction of the campus that bears his name. So mm-hmm. again, no pressure there. <laughs> so um, And that's our new um, plant propagation, our nursery, greenhouse, and headhouse facility. It will produce all the plants, um, many of the plants that we grow here at the garden. All of the starts for the fruit and vegetable garden will begin in that greenhouse complex. And uh-huh. we're working with a greenhouse complex that's almost as old as the garden itself. It's really the last old thing to be renewed again. 
And I think one of the important things is that right now we are able to manipulate 11 different growing zones for plants. Uh, so only, uh, only 11, and we'll go from 11 to 27. We'll increase our overall space under glass um, by about 78%. So it will give us the capacity uh, to grow a lot more things and to grow a lot more things better. Wait, it's when very you, exciting. That is exciting, but you were talking about uh, 11 growing zones. 11 yeah, different 20. growing zones under glass we have now. So but, areas that we can isolate okay. and um, manipulate effectively, temperature, humidity, and light. Okay, when uh, now explain this to me, because when you talk about 27 different growing zones, you right. look at, a, for instance, a hardiness map, that only goes up to like 11 or whatever. So we're talking know. about growing plants, so in if we're starting um, poinsettias, which are already in our greenhouses now right. for this winter. They require a different manipulation scheme to bring them into flower mm -hmm. than, say, petunias do, or uh, tomatoes, uh, for that matter. So having 11 different growing zones, or 27 different growing zones will enable us, among other things, to have four or more different growing zones for orchids. Uh, so that will create, as soon as the collection gets up and growing and large enough to display a real big impact for our winter orchid show. So are you talking about different humidity, different uh, exactly, uh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so if we're because if we're, you, you, there's, you know, if you're just going five A, five B. No, no, you know, don't don't <laughs> think of it as plant hardiness zones. Think of it as think of it as different growing environments. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so you're getting fall plants ready now in the. Greenhouses? Oh, definitely. The mums are coming on, and uh, the poinsettias are coming on, and all of those crops, if you will, um, have to be started way in advance mm -hmm. of when we need yeah. them. And so we have just finished, for instance, um, or very near the finish of approving all of our annual designs for 2018. And in all of those annuals, we have to purchase all the seeds and do the starts mm -hmm. uh, fairly soon. And mm -hmm. so we're thinking a, at least a year yeah. ahead with a lot of those annual crops that we do. And then for more long-term things, you have to think many years ahead. Like what? What do you, what are you thinking many years ahead? Well, about? I'll just go back to those orchids. Ah, Yeah. okay. But uh, let's talk fall a little bit because we're about to lurch sure. into fall. And as we tell people... Uh, on the show, this is a great time to do a lot of things. For one thing, and, and this is maybe not a huge concern of yours, it's a great time to work on your lawn, for example. Oh, absolutely. This, this is the perfect time absolutely. to get out there and do it. Yeah, I think we're entering probably the best time here in, uh, in, in our area to either establish a new lawn or to take care of those bare spots or sort of rough spots that you have in an existing lawn. Right. So what else uh, is on your radar right now, and what would you say to folks who are listening in, uh, uh, about getting stuff done now so it looks great in the spring? Well, we still have um, a bit of the growing season to go. So if you have annuals, there's, there's you know, unless you're ready to abandon them wholesale, <laughs> <laughs> which you can because they're so ephemeral and the first frost is going to take them, most of them out. Don't say first frost. No, Don't no, no. no, no, no. So you no, can continue. No. You certainly should continue um, if you want to fertilize them, especially if they're in containers with a good liquid fertilizer. And you can keep that uh, ornamental interest going with good deadheading. There are certain mm -hmm. perennials uh, that deadheading will continue to uh, produce results mm -hmm. with. Um, but 
don't get too carried away. Things like astilbes and um, are are not going to rebloom. Right. And I love the way they look in the late fall and winter when they sort of bleach out and they turn those nice beige colors and they look great standing up through the winter snow. So you have to sort of pick and choose ornamental grasses. Same thing. You want to leave those and they're not going to benefit from any deadheading, right? Mm -hmm. And um, so I think there's still work to do in, in the garden with plants that have been interesting for summer. But in terms of getting ready for fall, um, mums, if you want your mums to come back and act like perennial mums, uh, the earlier you get them in the ground, the better they are. They may bloom quickly mm -hmm. once you get them in the ground, but they'll perennialize better if you get them in the ground okay. early. And, you know, we're, we're on a planting kick right now. Uh, the air is cooling down, the nights are getting cooler, the soil's staying warm. So plant roots have time to get out and a lot of things can get established before winter sets in. So planting, especially woody plants, we have several months left where it's good to plant woodies. Yeah, yeah. And we probably have a month, month and a half to uh, still plant most perennials. Uh, you, you talk about uh, planting and, and keeping plants healthy, healthy, and especially when it comes to woodies, and we're going to be talking a little bit about that with uh, Andrew Bunting uh, coming up, uh, but when you look at, and this is like no rain right now, we're getting a little spritz here, and, and people need not to get confused by right. this and think that this is actually a soaking rain. This exactly. is not. This is not a soaking rain. And um, it goes to the difference, uh, we talk about the differences between climate and weather. Mm -hmm. Climate is what happens over time, weather is what's happening now. And we are um, measured, uh, determined by measurements we take at the garden and have history uh, on. We're eight inches over our average rainfall for this time of year, but we're three inches down for August. <laughs> and, yeah. and so how, how do you balance that? That's, it's... It's it's interesting because it seems to me that your your trees and shrubs are probably doing pretty well right now because they've had a lot. Yeah. But it might be that, that plants that are closer to the surface might start to suffer a little bit. Oh, it's very true. And I think it has a lot to do with age uh, of the plant, uh, how, how established they are. And uh, I think it also has a lot to do with the kind of soil that you have. Mm -hmm. um, we have areas um, in, in this region that are very, very sandy. And so those areas, the moisture moves through very, very quickly. Other areas uh, around Chicago are very heavy, very clay. The soils at the garden are, are mostly heavy clay. So even, even though we're dry on the surface, we're moist further down. So mm -hmm. if you have, certainly in your vegetable garden, things are probably looking dry. Mm -hmm. uh, your annuals are probably drying out very, very quickly. What was the soil like down in Birmingham? Down in Birmingham, it was heavy clay. Also. And it was very rocky. But you could, you could go, you could have acid sandy acid soil in your front yard and you could have uh, uh you could have limestone in your backyard wow. the geo you know soils Holy are smoke. all about soils are all about geology yeah and if you look at a geological map of alabama it's there's an extraordinary amount of variation in the geology all the folds uh and ripples of the uh the beginning of the appalachian mountain chain right, I, right I, near Birmingham. and i won't even get into it we, we were going to off air, we were talking GMOs. I think maybe sometime you and I are going to have that conversation <laughs> on air. I think it's it's important for people to understand what that is is all about. We're we're out of time basically here, and I'm not even going to be able to talk to you about uh, trying to help a relative in Oklahoma plant a 
uh, a river birch. That was another story, too. So uh, well, I want to thank Fred Spicer, the vice president and executive vice president and director of the Chicago Botanic Garden. Thank you so much. Oh, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. All right. We're at the Heirloom Fest. Mike Novak with Peggy Malecki. We'll be right back. Is your couch killing you? In a Green Diva Minute, you'll learn more and be on your way to living a deeper shade of green. Americans have much higher levels of flame retardants in their bodies than anyone else in the world. In fact, California children have some of the highest levels ever measured. Flame retardants are found in furniture, electronics, and even in baby products, and have been linked to cancer, birth defects, and other serious health issues. OMG, what's a green diva or dude to do? Furniture that does not contain polyurethane foam usually does not contain flame-retardant chemicals. There are nonprofit organizations that have done the homework for us and have lists of flame-retardant-free furniture manufacturers. I'm Green Diva Meg, and you can find more low-stress green living tips at thegreendivas.com. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Eco Salon. They use only the safest, most natural professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color perms and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne keratin smoothing products that let you shampoo the same day. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at OrganicRootsEcoSalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty. You no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. Your talk. This is your talk. Only on 1590. Your talk. WCGO Evanston, Chicago. Okay, there we go. Now, now it's just uh, something that uh, music that uh-huh. didn't that didn't scare me. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki um, at the Chicago Botanic Garden Heirloom Fest. Uh, we hope you come by. It actually all starts at uh, 11 a.m. Uh, we're doing the show in in advance. Oh, look at that! Somebody. I love the Chicago. No, 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 no. This is where this She's goes. She's got a second one. <laughs> She's got the big one. Don't you want oh, the big umbrella? Uh, the no, the big one can go. The golf okay. umbrella. All right, all right. Bring that over here. Bring that. We've She's just covering the tomato. Yay! <laughs> all right, now I feel better. Uh, sitting on our right is. And let's make sure his microphone is up, and it is. It's Andrew Bunting, who is the assistant director of Chicago Botanic Garden and director of plant collections. Hi, Andrew. You're going to have to speak yep. right good, into good that. Good morning. Um, you look very cash here this morning. You're ready for uh, Heirloom Fest. Yes. <laughs> uh, tell me, what, on a day-to-day level, what what is it that, that you do here at the garden? Um, well, part of, part of my job is assisting Fred, who you just had on uh, uh, prior to me. So you hold uh, the umbrella for him when he's yeah, walking. Yeah, down what, whatever he needs. Yeah, gets okay. his coffee, whatever. Yeah, yeah things like that. Now, <laughs> this is no. great. You got to take a shot at this, Lisa. <laughs> no, I, 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 actually, um, you know, 
uh, Fred and I together uh, work on a lot of the design projects at the garden, a lot of the planting projects at the garden. And then in, in addition to that, um, my other title, Director of Plant Collections, is working on developing the permanent collections here at the Chicago Botanic Garden. So those come to be from either buying in plants, getting plants from mm -hmm. other institutions like the Morton Arboretum mm -hmm. or other botanical institutions. And then we also have a very active uh, plant collection or plant expedition program. So mm -hmm. for example, our woody plant curator is about to leave for Azerbaijan on a collecting trip. And then he'll get back, he'll be back a week, and then he'll go to um, uh, Tennessee and Kentucky on a collecting trip. Our mm -hmm. herbaceous curator is going to... I need you to lean into that sure. just a little sure. bit. Sorry. Our, uh, sorry about that. Yeah, or or our, you could just pick it up if you want to hold okay. it. Yeah. Just, just hold the whole... No, no, just hold the whole thing. Okay. Just wrap. There yep. you go. There we go. All right. So our uh, herbaceous curator is then going to South Dakota and the Ozarks. So on these trips... They go out into the wilds. Don't the they send you any place? Don't you get to go yes, on trips? Yes, I do. I do go on some. So I'm actually going to Azerbaijan to give a lecture. Really? Um, wow. But last year I went to the Republic of Georgia. I've been to China, Taiwan, Vietnam on, mm -hmm. on collecting trips okay. as well. So, Holy smoke. So what's involved in a collection trip? So there's a lot of uh, upfront work that's involved. So, you know, for an international trip, there's about a year's worth of just emailing, calling, negotiating, especially with uh, uh, foreign countries. Mm -hmm. Because yep. you're not just going over there grabbing a shovel and starting to dig up stuff, are you? No, and actually <laughs> we don't want to even bring back plants. It's all seed. Okay. So ah, of course have, it is. We have to develop a target list. We have to decide where we're going to go. We have to set up all the logistics of the trip with either our in-country or out-of-country out partners. Mm -hmm. We have to get a team together. We have to go and collect the seed. We have to clean the seed while we're there. We have to package it all, label it all, ship it back through the United States Department of Agriculture for inspection, mm -hmm. and then get it here. And that's, you know, that's only the beginning. Wow. Then we want to grow these things on so that they can ultimately be in our collections mm -hmm. and so that we can ultimately evaluate them and maybe they become the next great tree or shrub. Wow. And it just, I was just thinking about coming through customs with these seeds. Now, is there a special section uh, that U.S. Department of Ag has for people like you when, when you're coming back for inspection? So actually, we don't even bring them physically on us. We send them ahead. Mm -hmm. So they go through a Department of Agriculture, and they all get inspected. So there's all sorts of different inspection agents uh, at the border, whether inspecting lumber or agri other agricultural material, seed, mm -hmm. etc. Mm -hmm. So once they go through that, then they come to us, and we record them, we put them in our database, and uh, we propagate them here at the Botanic Garden. Uh, that's, that's just fascinating. You know, I, I'm glad you asked that question, Peggy, because it's not something that I necessarily would have thought of if, when you're collecting these is, how do you get them back? Right, you know, right, and, right. And if you look at, you know, any tree, shrub, perennial, probably even annual here at the Botanic Garden, there was a precursor to that, or maybe even that plant mm -hmm. came back as a seed from somebody's collecting trip probably over the last 150 years. Uh, and, and because that's what botanic gardens do, or botanical gardens in, in yes. some cases. Yes, so really the basis of any botanic garden or arboretum, like the Morton Arboretum, is its plant collection. Yeah. So mm -hmm. we're like an 
or we are an outdoor living museum. So if you think of the Art Institute of Chicago, they collect artwork. Mm -hmm. As they collect artwork, they record the artwork, they catalog it, they interpret it. We do the exact same things, but ours is uh, dynamic in a different sense in that, that it's alive. Yeah. Uh, so give us your background. Uh, where where did you uh, get your chops and, where, and what kind of area were you growing plants when you first got started? I imagine you've been to very many places, but everybody has the place where they start. Sure, sure, sure. sure. So uh, when I think of uh, where did my career begin, I think it's kind of uh, two, two places. For a while, we lived in Northern California at, uh, in Santa Rosa, which is north of San Francisco. And it was there that my mother did a lot of vegetable gardening. And then, uh, so I, I gardened with her. I also had a grandfather on my father's side who was um, a farmer in Nebraska. We'd spend uh, summers in Nebraska, and I think that was influential. As I got a little older, we actually moved to Illinois. I, um, in high school, lived in Manhattan, Illinois. I love to tell people I'm from Manhattan, and then I have to <laughs> clarify from Ew, Manhattan, it's Illinois. It's like Paris, Illinois. <laughs> exactly. So... Uh, uh, in high school, I went to uh, Lincoln Way, and it was, you know, it is a big high school, and they had um, uh, uh, some horticulture programs. So I got a little introduction to actual horticulture and what the term horticulture meant. And I remember in our uh, home in Manhattan, I had a vegetable garden in the front, in the back. Mm -hmm. You know, I think my mother is happy to have me do anything like that versus what I might what, what a teenage boy might be doing. Mm -hmm. So uh, I did quite a bit of horticulture a as a kid, and I think that was pretty influential. And then from there, I went to um, Joliet Junior College, which mm -hmm. uh, was really probably one of the best moves I made in my entire career because it was a two-year program, uh, intensely horticultural. And is, is that before uh, Fred Miller got over there? I think so. This yeah. was like the er early 80s. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then uh, it was a requirement of that inter of that two-year uh, degree that we have two internships. So my very first internship was at the Morton Arboretum. Okay. My second internship was here in 1984. So that really introduced me to the world of public gardens. And then from there, I went to Southern Illinois University, got a degree, and then did a couple other internships. And then for 30 years, I worked out east. At, um, it's a, but you've already covered a lifetime, <laughs> and, and now you're saying, and then I know, 30 I'm just years, going home yeah, now, so 30 I, years later. Yeah, yeah, so I was born here, we left, came back for high school, I left for 30 years, and then I'm, this is my third time <laughs> back in uh, Illinois. Now, now, you are, I mean, you, you're, you're uh, an assistant director and director of plant collections, but your expertise is in woody plants, right? Yes. So uh, prior to coming here, I worked at the Scott Arboretum. So like, you know, with an arboretum, that's really trees and shrubs. So, you know, I do know a lot about perennials and tropicals and annuals and all those plants. Not so much about vegetables, but a little bit. Uh, but <laughs> well, I would wait a second. This is heirloom fest. What are you doing here? What's a, <laughs> well, that's why we have Lisa. Who, she, an heirloom she, woody plant. Yeah, we're lucky to have, you know, <laughs> great, great, great uh, subject experts here at the garden. Yeah. So Lisa mm -hmm. really oversees not only the the gardening here and the design of the gardens, but she also essentially acts as the curator yeah. of the garden. And, and you have woody plants mixed in in, in the fruit and vegetable yes. garden Yes, yes. Well. So I'd say every garden has a mixture of perennials, trees, shrubs. But I would say if I'm expert in anything, it would be 
trees and shrubs. Uh, so let's get to that that Peggy just brought up, um, fruit trees. Uh, is there some expertise in there as well? Because one of the things I've discovered about fruit trees, and, and you get questions about those all the time on the show, it's you better know what you're doing. Sure. Because if you don't, it, it, because for with, with fruit trees, it's basically it's about pruning yes. and, how, and how to do that right. Uh, and that's an art and a science, and it's magic. Yes, all at the same time. So, is is that something that uh, you're versed in as well? A, a little bit. Again, he, here we really uh, defer to Lisa. So here at Fruit and Vegetable Garden, she's in charge of all what I would consider the annual crops. So that would mm -hmm. be your tomatoes and peppers and things that are seasonal. But then we have permanent plantings mm -hmm. like blueberries and. Uh, raspberries and blackberries and then we have all the fruit trees as well so she's also charged to be the subject mm -hmm. expert for our uh, stone fruit collection for our apples peaches pears and even our nut we have a nut tree uh, collection as well okay we just got a couple of minutes here and here's what i what i want to do like for the remainder of the show uh we need some practical advice as we go into fall sure. for, for our trees and shrubs mm -hmm. right uh, Lisa, I'm going to want you to come and, and, and slop around at this desk here. We got one more mic and, <laughs> and uh, some practical advice for vegetables as we get into the fall. So we'll, we'll do that. And we need to talk about the Midwest Tree and Shrub Conference because sure. you're partnering with the Morton Arboretum. That's right. And doing that uh, on September 7th. So that's cool. Um, it, it, it's all that stuff. Uh, in, in about a minute before we go, though, what, if, what should folks, I would think, that what folks should be thinking about right now with trees and shrubs is if you planted something this year, you should be watching the water. That's right. So, you know, Fred mentioned uh, watering. And if you're planting trees and shrubs now, which is per perfectly fine, because what's great about uh, planting now is the air temperature is relatively cool, but the soil temperature is still relatively warm. So you'll get a lot of root growth going into the fall, but you have to make sure that the the roots are moist, not mm -hmm. wet. They don't need to be sopping wet, but you really want to have all your plants, whether it's trees or shrubs or perennials, going into the winter well hydrated. Yes, exactly. And I tell folks that if it's dry on Thanksgiving after you cook the turkey or while you're cooking the turkey, go out and water your tree and put a drip hose down there to do that. It doesn't matter what the season is. It matters what what's in the soil, especially if it's warm, and you can do that. That's right. As long as the ground's not frozen, you can water you know, well into the fall. And actually, root growth will continue well into the fall. You even, can cheat even into a lot. Dece yeah. December All right. Uh, we'll be back with more tips for your garden in the fall. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki live from Heirloom Fest at the Chicago Botanic Garden. Hey, Ron Cowgill. Yes, Mike Novak. How would you like to drive the safest, quickest, and most capable sports utility vehicle in history? Legally? Of course legally. In fact, you would own it. Legally? Stop saying that. I'm talking about the Illinois Solar Energy Association, which is raffling off a 2017 Tesla Model X. You mean the one that comes standard, all-wheel drive, seating for up to seven adults, and up to 295 miles of range on a single charge? Yes. The one that can accelerate from zero to 60 in 2.9 seconds? Yes. How did you know that? I'm reading the script. Oh, well, then you probably know that only 2,500 tickets will be sold. They're 100 bucks each. You can purchase as many as you like, and the drawing is December 7th. Do I have to be present to win? No. 
Nope. Do I have to live in Illinois? Nope, just the lower 48 states. Is this the part where we read the disclaimer stuff really, really fast? Nah, this is where we tell people to get details at IllinoisSolar.org. You're good. Yeah. If you're looking to invest in an electrical car or truck, make sure to hire a state-licensed electrical contract. The installation of that charger will require a permit in most municipalities. So make sure to check the ICC website for a certified contractor at icc.illinois.gov. You can also call DNR Services Unlimited. They've been a licensed electrical contractor since 1992. Visit their website at RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. It'll be easy to find someone cheaper, but a lot harder to find someone better. Let's face it, sometimes we overdo physical activity. That's when to give Dr. Bonnie Flaster a call. Dr. Flaster is a chiropractor who treats back and neck pain, but addresses foot, knee, shoulder, and wrist pain too, all with gentle, non-force adjustments. And she'll talk to you about your problems and work with you to devise the best treatment strategy. Find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Bonnie Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good. This is your talk. You want to just put in hashtag in any of your social media, hashtag 1590 WCGO, Evanston, Chicago. Oh my goodness, we've got sophisticated music. That's not like this show at all. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, live from Heirloom Fest at the Chicago Botanic Garden. We're wrapping up here and... What we figured we'd do in the home stretch is, you know, all of our, our listeners have been waiting for that practical advice uh, to, so we can send them off into their gardens today. Uh, but let's start with Andrew Bunting, the assistant director of Chicago Botanic Garden and director of plant collections, and uh, the Midwest Tree and Shrub Conference that you're doing with the uh, Morton Arboretum. What's that all about? So this is a, a first-time uh, collaboration or not first-time collaboration, but we are collaborating with um, uh, the Morton Arboretum to put on the first because time. Because they're your mortal enemies, I know that. But uh, so. <laughs> No, no, actually, we play, we play well together. Yes, so, Lisa, you were looking at me. I was going to say science is collaboration. Yes, yes it is. It's all yes. about collaboration. So on September 7th, we're having our first Midwest uh, Tree and Shrub Conference. And this is a, a, a neat conference because it's for uh, amateurs, Maybe people who are new to the to the uh, tree tree and shrub business, or really don't even know a lot about trees and shrubs. But it's also a conference for seasoned professionals, whether it be landscape designers, landscape architects, landscape contractors, uh, people in the nursery industry, the gar- garden center industry. So it's on September seventh. The first one will be here at uh, the Chicago Botanic Garden in 2018. It'll be at the Morton Arboretum, and it'll be a day dedicated to lectures and some tours that really celebrate uh, trees and shrubs. It's a home-in-home it's home series like they have in baseball. We go to their park, and then you come to our park, and, and that, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So Exactly. And, and you can register for that on the Botanic Garden website. Right, right. Um, www.chicagobotanicgarden. Uh, Chicago Botanic Chicago Garden. Chicago Botanic, sorry, yeah. .org. Uh, and, and we've got a link off of Mike yeah, we've got the link. I've got the link at MikeNovak.net. net. If you go to the blog for uh, this week's show, you'll see that information. But you can go yeah. to chicagobotanic.org/slash/education, and you'll find some stuff there. Okay. And, and you'll be talking about magnolias for the Midwest. Right. So um, uh, about two years ago, I wrote a book on uh, magnolias. 
So uh, what I'm going to be talking about are the best magnolias for the upper Midwest. Cool. All right. Uh, and, you know, and it's it's tricky here. Magnolias are tricky in yes. the Chicago, although less tricky with 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 climate change. Right. So less and less. So there's a lot of magnolias in the world. Uh, many grow in much warmer climate, more grow in warm, warmer climates. Uh, but there are a lot that are perfectly harder in the Chicagoland mm -hmm. area. Mm -hmm. you know, we do um, battle with a high pH here, but there's also quite a few that are uh, pH indifferent. <laughs> I am pH indifferent myself. <laughs> uh, all right, let's let's get some tips for uh, uh, trees and shrubs going in, say, planting for, for the fall. You said cool weather is going to be good. Pay attention to the water. Uh, anything else that folks need to be aware of? I would also mulch them. You know, that gives them a little extra protection, gives the roots some protection going into the winter. You know, this is also a good time to be thinking about what you're going to be doing next spring. So here at the garden, we use the fall to kind of observe our gardens, and then we use the winter to work on design work. So that's all also should be part of the fall work is, you know, what, what is doing great in the garden? Mm -hmm. What do we want to keep? Maybe what do we want to replace come spring? And then use the winter as a, an opportune time to do, to do your research for your garden. Uh, and now let's get back to the veggies. Lisa Hilgenberg rejoins us here. What are you thinking of as you get into the fall season? I am just gearing up to plant the fall garden, to continue planting the fall garden. We've got a whole slew of cold-tolerant vegetables going in, spinach and kale and cabbage, um, short-season vegetables, so vegetables that will grow well into mid-October, which is about our frost date, about October 23rd. So we're kind of on the end of that 171-day uh, growing season in the veg world. But you, so, you've, you've started these yeah, already, Yeah, so we're putting right? plants in already. We have used those production greenhouses right. uh, to start organic vegetable starts, and um, those are coming up now. We're direct sowing as well, so we're direct sowing the things that should be direct sown. What carrots would you direct sow? Carrots, spinach, radish, all can be direct sown uh, now in the, in the fall garden. So... Uh, what you see in our garden here at Fruit and Veg now is what you should be growing in your vegetable garden at mm -hmm. home. So come over and see. Well, yeah, that's, that's also really good advice as you come out here and see what you're doing. What about in terms of harvesting and maintenance as we get into fall with plants that are already established? Well, it's important to keep uh, tomatoes uh, and peppers and uh, the squashes all harvested at the right time. So you mm -hmm. want to make sure that um, any diseased fruit um, is taken off, removed, composted. Um, and well, then all right, all right. Now, let sure me ask you something about that. If, but if the fruit is diseased, it means the plant's diseased, doesn't it? I mean, well, what are you talking about? It depends on what it is. So there are lots of things that we potentially would want to avoid uh, putting into our compost. So that's a... A big discussion but if something is just has a little leaf spot or something like that hopefully uh, a proficient composter will be able to um, uh, compost that away by the pile reaching the proper temperature to get rid of some of those problems but a lot if of you're at all, yeah if you're worried about it um, it's better to maybe put something that's very diseased into the garbage if you have a cracked tomato however Put it in the compost. Mm -hmm. It's not going to. Yeah. Uh, well, you yeah. should. You should probably eat a cracked <laughs> tomato. I mean, into sauce. It's, exactly. But if, but if yeah. you've got leaves with blight or leaves with powdery mildew. 
powdery mildew, no. You should dispose of that into your garbage. Have uh, you had a, a much can. of that this year? You know, we did. We had some powdery mildew on our cucumbers. Mm-hmm. Um, we've removed those plants. Um, we have one or two um, cucurbits that have a very fairly serious uh, uh, problem with powdery mildew now. So it's good to um, use sanitized tools, get rid of the diseased foliage, mm-hmm. maybe remove the plants completely. Um, and don't compost those. I'll tell you something. Here's the advantage of sometimes being a procrastinator. We got our cucumbers in late. No pottery mildew at all right now. And they're producing like crazy. Isn't that amazing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they're very warm season crops. We The soil needs to be 70, 75 degrees to plant cucumber. And it's important to wait a long, long time. Uh, we had such a rainy gray fall, or uh, June, mm-hmm. that uh, it was... It was probably really wise and uh, your good fortune for that are you going to pickle them uh yeah we're already pickling some of them uh the problem is uh is getting them off soon enough so that they're not huge and but you know i i learned a tip from my friend brianne heath um uh, who said well you know when when they get all seedy in the middle i just scoop out the seed part and use the spears and put the spears in. or you could use them when they get really big that's true and we have all kinds of different demonstrations and focus on some of those beautiful vegetables and ways to use them in the kitchen so we have harvesting tips we have um, seed saving demos we have um, Casey uh, in the orchard with um, about 13 different pickling recipes so come over and (laughs) see what's going on today oh yeah it's great Oh, well, uh, 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 we've also found that finding the, the perfect pickling recipe can be a little tricky. This She's got one with sort of an Asian um, flavor. She mm-hmm. has a pickling recipe for all kinds of, I'm hoping she'll look at some of the Brazilian peppers that we have growing here yeah. uh, this this summer and maybe pickle a wow, few for us. So it's hard to know what to do with all of that produce at this time of year. Yeah, I've got cucumbers just piling up right now. Okay, so what what have we missed? We got like a minute here, so I, I think that's uh, uh, I think we we've covered it all. I guess it, it's time to say thank you to uh, to all the folks here at the Botanic Garden. And again, folks, come out to Heirloom Fest at the Chicago Botanic Garden. It's uh, it's going to start in about two minutes, um, and uh, we want you uh, to be part of it. Uh, and uh, our thanks to everybody who's on the show today: Christy Weber and Lisa Hilgenberg and Fred Spicer, and Andrew Bunting, and of course Peggy, and we'll thank the uh, locusts who stopped by here, and we're going to get our equipment. Thanks to the team who helped set up here. And and there they are. Uh, We will be back next week at the regular time. Until then, go green or go home. Uh, Stadler? Oh, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much.